Brilliant. Well, um, good afternoon, everybody. Oh, I'm so glad to be back. I wasn't here last week because I was isolating. Cheers. Happy 2022. Um, and I really missed being here with you guys. Um, really, really glad to see all your faces or like the eyes of your faces, at least, anyway. Um, <clears throat> last week, Daniel kicked off the year by introducing a new series that we're going to be doing this term. I wasn't here. Can anyone give me some headlines? Who was here and can give me a word or a phrase or um, some headlines of what happened last week? We met Luke. It was about Luke. Yes. Luke, as a keyword. Justice, keywords. Any other words or headlines? I mean, you've got the two headlines, so brilliant. Luke and Justice, great. Um, so um, for those of you who, if you weren't here like me last week, we are, between Christmas and New Year, we are going to be looking at the book of Luke, which is a biography of Jesus' life that we find in the Bible. Um, and we're going to be looking at it with a particular mind to the theme of justice. So well done, Luke and justice. Tick. Last week um, were chapters one and two, and um, we had a really great conversation in home group about that this week as well. Um, really meeting meaty stuff, kind of looking forward to seeing where this term takes us with those kind of discussions. Um, but this week, we're going to be looking at the next couple of chapters, chapters three and four. Did anyone get a chance to read or listen to them this week? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. Wonderful. So if you want to, um, every week we're going through the next two, two chapters. So feel free to read them in the week. If you don't like reading, but you can listen, we record them on the podcast. So go for it. Um, thank you for reading, listening to them. Brief overview for those who haven't read or listened to chapters three and four. We are introduced to a guy called John, who... Um, is a guy who prepares the way for Jesus, um, often known as John the Baptist. Then we are introduced to Jesus. Jesus kind of comes onto the scene and gets baptized. Um, then there's this long summary of his heritage. Then Jesus goes into the desert and is tempted by the devil. Then Jesus speaks in a synagogue and heals some people. That is chapters three and four, jam-packed. Um, <clears throat> and so this afternoon, we're going to take a moment to ask one of our favorite questions. Why did Jesus come? Um, because these chapters of Luke are the introduction to Jesus' public ministry life. <clears throat> chapters 1 and 2, as Daniel said last week, um, are essentially the Christmas story, um, the birth of Jesus. And chapters 3 and 4, this week... This is the moment that John has been preparing people for. This is the moment when Jesus is presented on the scene. Um, and so it is a moment for us to pay attention to because first impressions are really important, right? Um, it is the moment that we find out who someone is and what they're about. Uh, <laughs> I was debating whether to share this or not. Anyway, I remember when I first met Daniel's family. Um, my in-laws are sitting right here. Um, so Daniel and I were teenagers um, when we first started dating. Um, and I travelled down from Birmingham to Bicester, um, which when you're 16, it's quite a big deal when you're 16. Anyway, um, I went down on the train to visit Daniel for a weekend and to properly meet his family. And there are definitely a couple of things that stand out in my mind as not ideal first impressions. Um, it was a really hot and sunny 
um, weekend, so I was wearing shorts, um, and they had a little dog called Rufus, who, unbeknownst to me, loves a bare leg, doesn't he? Oh my goodness. I, the first few hours of me being introduced to the Smith family, I was like trying to do this like polite, oh, what a lovely dog you have that is licking my legs all over. Uh, and like, I was thinking, oh my gosh, like, be totally fine with this. Mumbles, now I know her more, would have been so embarrassed at that moment to know that the dog was licking her son's girlfriend's legs. Um, also, um, to add to that, um, I had braces at the time, like those full train track braces. Hands up if you've had braces. <sighs> Solidarity to you all. Um, anyone who's had braces knows that when your braces get tightened, it is not fun. And the day before I went to Daniel's family's house weekend, I had my braces tightened. Um, <clears throat> And essentially, they're trying to move your teeth into a different position. So it makes your whole mouth just ache, something chronic and something horrible. And they'd also left like a little sharp bit of wire that they hadn't like cut quite. <laughs> Boys nodding like, I remember this. Um, and they'd, they'd left like a little sharp wire um, and it essentially was shredding the inside of my mouth this whole weekend because it was just, and so I was ending up talking the whole weekend like this to try and minimize the amount of movement from my mouth and my lips to try and minimize damage. And Mumbles and Boy, sorry, Helen and Jeremy, um, were very gracious and Daniel's three sisters were very lovely, but um, safe to say neither of those experiences were quite the first impression that I was hoping for. But thankfully, Jesus was a little bit more prepared for his first impression. And this moment in Luke is when we hear what Jesus has to say for himself. Um, so before we dig in a little more, um, why don't we turn to someone friendly looking around us, um, and we're just going to spend a minute or two um, discussing the question, seeing if we can come up with some answers, words, phrases, why did Jesus come? And if your response is, I have no idea, that is a perfectly legit answer, please do say that. Um, so we're going to take one or two minutes now, chat to someone around you. Why did Jesus come? All right. Have we got any buzzwords? Have we got any phrases? What are people's response? Anyone brave enough to, anyone brave enough to shout out some words or say, I don't know? Go on, Becky. He came to bridge the divide that we made through sin. Okay, so he came to bridge the divide between us and God. Brilliant. Okay, anyone else? Go on, Darren. Demonstrate God's love. Wonderful. To be the promised Messiah. Wonderful. Anyone else got any buzzwords or phrases? One last one. Good news. Hello. Someone's read chapter three and four. All right. Wonderful. 
thank you guys. That's brilliant. I really appreciate you guys um, speaking up and speaking out. Um, so at the end of chapter four of Luke, Jesus wonderfully answers this question for us. He says it really plain and clearly. Right at the end, Jesus tells us in his own words why he came. And so let's take a look at what he has to say for himself. He says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Jesus' answer to the question, why did Jesus come, is that he came to share the good news of the kingdom of God. There you go. I'll uh, sit down nicely then. But obviously, that begs the question, what is the good news of the kingdom of God? That's the obvious next question, isn't it? What does that even mean? And so, for us to answer that question, we're going to be working backwards through chapters four and then three um, for us to get a bit of a handle on the good news of the kingdom of God. Um, and we need to be looking, for us to be able to do that, we need to first look at what Jesus first says. Now, a little um, Bible reading nerdy skill um, for you all is to always pay attention to the first thing that any Bible character says. In the Bible, the first thing that anyone um, says is just really important. There's always a reason why a particular phrase or speech has been put in as the first thing they say. And in this biography, Luke, the author, has identified the key point of Jesus' teaching and life. And so Luke introduces Jesus on the scene with that key point, um, and we first, where we first hear what Jesus has to say. And so Luke describes this moment where Jesus is in the synagogue um, and he teaches and he, um, he's in the synagogue to teach and he stands up and reads from the Jewish scriptures, which is what we know as the first part of the Bible. Um, and more than just reading these scriptures, Jesus identifies himself as the one who is fulfilling what it says. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Here, Jesus is telling us, in his own words, what the good news is. Jesus says that the good news of the kingdom of God is that captives will be released, that blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. And then he immediately goes on to demonstrate this by setting a man free from a demon and healing an old sick woman. Jesus is not messing around here. Jesus comes into the public eye, he stands up, he tells everyone exactly what the good news is and then shows us exactly why he came. And I think that as Christians, most of us can often find ourselves thinking that the main focus of why Jesus came is that he died. And you know, Jesus' death is absolutely a mega moment in the story, and I'm really looking forward to taking a closer look at it as we approach Easter. But you know what? Jesus lived a whole life before he died. 
And we can, we can be sucked into the way of thinking that, is, that his life was almost like a big drum roll up to the main event, um, up to his death. And it's just not. Jesus' life was significant. His teachings, his actions, his rhythms, his life was so much more than waiting to die. And so is ours. The good news isn't simply about going to heaven when we die. The good news isn't simply that somehow God's anger was satisfied through Jesus' death. Jesus himself tells us that the good news is that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Justice in this world, here and now, is the good news. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is why we pray and we petition to God and we sing for the kingdom of God to come here and now. Because doesn't our world need it? The good news, like humanity living with freedom, humanity living with truth and with life to the full, with healing, with inclusivity, this is what we so desperately need. And why the kingdom of God is such desperately good news. And I don't know about you, but it, it kind of makes me sad to think that we as the church over so many decades historically have, have often misrepresented God when Jesus' life just makes it really clear who and how God is. I was at, I was at work the other week and um, I work part-time as a nurse and me and my colleague were driving around Cheltenham to housebound patients, giving them the COVID vaccines everybody's welcome, um, and we were in the car and we were just chatting about life and everything, and she mentioned something that happened at the weekend, just said, oh, I'll be going straight to hell for that, um, and it just started this really big, amazing, long conversation in the car about her experience, about her perspective of the church, and therefore of God of God being a punitive God who's interested primarily in us obeying the rules in order to go to heaven when we die. And that those rules, in her experience, just seem arbitrary and outdated in a 21st century world. It was, I mean, a brilliant conversation for a work day. Um, but it broke my heart because this was my colleague, this was my friend who has spent her entire life opening up her home to care for those less fortunate than herself, who's taken in her, kin, her kids' friends when they've been homeless or pregnant and kicked out the house. She's someone who gives to food banks, who looks out for her elderly housebound neighbour, especially these last two years. And she didn't know that that is God's heart too. Because somehow we, the church, have got this message of justice and freedom here and now lost in our um, unpacking of the good news. Does this sound familiar to anyone else? Has anyone else heard these stories or know these patterns of thinking that, that people think that this, the church and God is an angry, punitive place and that they have no place? I hear this all the time. And so, 
in an effort to kind of open up our understanding of the good news of the kingdom of God and open up conversation with each other again because I've chatted enough so far. Um, we're just going to take a couple of minutes now again. Um, just with the people around you, the same people as before. Um, I appreciate I'm putting you on the spot a bit again um, to think fast. But um, we're going to spend a couple of minutes thinking about our lives, our workplaces, our cities, our neighborhoods, our world, our economy, wherever it is. Um, can we just name a couple of injustices that we see around us? Like, is it bullying or is it like tax avoidance of the super rich? Like, two minutes. Go, and we'll feed back. All right, have we got any, any on the tips of our tongues? I could see a few people go, oh, roll up my sleeves, let me get my list out of the things that I see around me. Can anyone shout out a few things, any, anything that people have observed? Mumbles is being pointed at. Tell me something, Helen. So, men who get women pregnant and then have absolutely no interest after that whatsoever and leave them on their own. Dang, she's started high. Anyone else? Absolutely, go for it. Anyone else got any injustices they see? The number 10 parties. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess the hypocrisy of a government. Wow, excellent, absolutely. Go on, Darren. Fantastic. So success being actually 50% where you start in the first place. Actually, that's a real injustice from like, you mean like an educational or a world placement or a family? So if you come from a family that's relatively successful, you're more likely to be relatively successful. Absolutely. Can I get two more? Yes, Ryan. Food distribution. Amen. Absolutely. One more. I'm looking at this area of the room because this area has been quite chatty. Anyone over in that corner? Go on then, Darren. Wealth distribution. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. These are pretty big things. Now, I don't know about you, but this whole justice thing, this whole king, good news of the kingdom of God, I don't know how it's landing with you, but it gets me really excited and a bit hot under the collar, like, yes, freedom for the captives, like, modern slavery is rife and it needs abolishing, like, yes, freedom for the oppressed. We need to fight, like, globally for the rights of women, or we need to fight locally, even, for ethnic minorities, for the disabled. It really stirs something in me that's like, yes, what's the deal with food and wealth dis distribution? What's the deal with men not stepping up and caring for their offspring? Like, what is the deal? And yet, sometimes, when I think about it, more than just my emotions and kind of the practical implications and... Um, all of that, it kind of makes me feel quite helpless and quite powerless, um, if I'm honest. Like, these issues are massive, and I just feel like they're too big for me, if I'm really honest. Um, like, how, how can I possibly help? And, and when I do, does it make any difference? Like, if we're talking about trying to reduce my single-use plastic, 
to be good for the world. Does me getting some loose vegetables instead of some prepackaged veg, does it actually make any difference? Yes. No, no, well, this is it. Absolutely, it does. But it feels like a drop in the ocean. It feels like you're not doing anything to help with the actual issue. You're right, Brett, it absolutely does. <laughs> um, but this, this is the point, is that it's that feeling, a thing like it's a drop in the ocean. What, what difference is it ever going to make? Um, and I think that it's also so much harder when the injustices are kind of one step removed from where we are. Like, if I'm not immediately impacted by racism or homophobia or climate change, then sometimes it would be easier, because life can be really tiring, um, it would just be easier to simply just focus on me and mine and be a nice person. And I just don't know what to do half the time. But I do know a God who has revealed himself to be kind and to be generous and to be loving and to be life-giving. I know a God who has revealed himself to be inclusive and who visits sick people and who sees the smallest one in our society. And I know a God who invites us to live that same life. When people um, are gathering around John the Baptist, um, we read at the beginning of chapter 3, remember we're going through Luke, um, he, um, John the Baptist, he calls people out for being all talk and no action, for giving lip service to a God that they're not actually following. And so obviously, when you call people out, gets people's backs up. And the people respond to John, basically being like, well, what should we do? We thought that to be good people was all about our lineage and ancestry, because um, it was at the time. Um, how would anyone know that we're following God? Like, what should we do, is their question. And John answers by unpacking the good news of the kingdom of God that Jesus is about to proclaim. He says, give to the poor. He says, share your food. Don't diddle the numbers. Be honest. Don't take advantage of others. Don't put others down or lie to better yourself. Like, stick to your word. Essentially, John calls them to act justly. And note that John isn't saying, go and conquer the world, or like, stop your current life and go and do something totally different. He doesn't say to the tax collector, leave your job and go and fight for justice. He says, be just where you are and don't diddle the numbers. Essentially, inviting them and inviting us all to look um, at their situation, to find the injustice, and to rectify what is theirs to do. And some people are called to tackle the heart of the epic big issues, to bring down modern slavery gangs, to stand in parliament and legislate for more access for disabled. Some people are absolutely called to do that. And if that is you, this afternoon, please, in a moment, can you stand and we will pray for you? Because you need to be backed to the hilt, because you need support if you're going to put yourself out there as someone who is fighting for justice on the front line. Meh, didn't right cry in this. 
And so if that is you, we want to pray and stand with you today. However, we are all invited to look around us and we are all invited to see what is happening to identify what we have, what we do, what we say, what we give, and to consider our part in bringing justice to this world. To identify our part in bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. In this little segment of the book of Luke, chapters three and four, both John when he's baptizing and Jesus when he's speaking in the synagogue, both of them are bringing justice to the fore when asking questions like, why did Jesus come? What does it mean to follow Jesus? How can I be saved? They're dismantling this kind of ticket to heaven thinking. They're introducing a way of life revolving around justice. And we are invited to be a part of that starting now. And so Brett and Pippa, I presume as well, um, they're just going to come up um, and we're going to take some time now to respond because, I don't know, I hope I'm not the only one who feels like, um, about all of this right now. Um, we're going to take some time this afternoon to respond to God, to, um, to respond to what's happening in our bodies.